What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Miami Nice. I am your co-host, Blake Howard. It is not 11.47. It's in the a.m. Sydney time as we record this. I'm here with my partner, Katie Walsh. Hello, Katie. Hello. Uh, we are waving our checkered flags because the last time that I spoke to this guest was, I think at like 3am his time at the Sydney Film Festival, he popped in to introduce a live version of this show for one heat minute and was like in an LA car park for some reason because he was like, it was an ungodly time change he's one of my favorite people and i just want to quickly before we start and get silly and have too much fun genuinely say when this person noticed that a lunatic in sydney australia had decided to unpack heat a minute at a time he was so effusive and such a stoker of passion of the lunacy of the project that his word of mouth alone and then his endorsement coming on the show multiple times um and then his big secret reveal that heat wasn't actually his favorite michael mann movie it was indeed last of the mohicans which we got to talk about which is sensational um i I can't tell you what it meant and continues to mean to me and so i love him he's a terrific filmmaker in his own right he's got a brand new movie suitable flesh which is about to do its festival tour he really i mean fought a war under the kind of awful human being of frank grillo and made a terrific movie called point blank which i love in spite of its lead actor so much because of his filmmaking chops and truly thank freaking the maker that we have shutter in australia because his terrific mayhem exists on a streaming platform in this freaking country which is just unbelievable it's my man joe lynch Oh my God, 
Thank, thank you. Like I, oh, <laughs> I need you to introduce me everywhere. Like I also need to zoom me in. Yeah, I will need to zoom. a lot at least fifteen minutes for every time you do it because you just. You are like me. You are a, a progressive pontificator, and uh, <laughs> and, I, and I appreciate. Look, I am so thrilled to be on this, um, and and to finally, like we were saying before, to finally meet Katie. We have been digital ships that have been crossing in the night on Twitter and Letterboxd and all the other social platforms. I've been a fan of her for years. I've loved how you guys have co-joined forces to become the Wonder Twins. Activate. Of, uh, <laughs> of genre cinema, if you will. Yes. Um, and, and what's interesting is that, like, the, the movies that you guys have picked, because, you know, for me, Blake's expansive knowledge of genre, you know, kind of came out through the Heat podcast. It wasn't just about Heat. It was all the other films that Michael Mann, you know, discussed about all the influences and all of Blake's love for, you know, cinema in general, but also specific cinema. You get to know him. And then... When it comes to you know, um, even just re allowing me to reevaluate um, Inherent Vice <clears throat> or the movie that we're going to talk about, um, all these different films that you guys have honed in on, I think has allowed us to realize that cinema is an art form in that you can appreciate it subjectively. Not everyone is going to love some of the movies that you've discussed. Some of them, no. like. <laughs> Even today, um, <laughs> some of the movies that like you guys have discussed in the past, I think have allowed people to go. I really need to re like reevaluate my feelings towards these movies because I, I think one of the things that's so wonderful about cinema in general, and I and also Michael Mann, and this is definitely something I want to talk about, is that um, you know he is one of those filmmakers that for some reason finds a way to figure out how flaws in the cinematic process, because they have been chosen by him and you, the viewer, are watching it. They they cut, they printed it, they showed it to the audience. Because he's he puts conviction behind even mistakes, they're endearing, they're engaging. Mm -hmm. They're not for everybody. You know, that like some people want slick, Un unmarred cinema, you know, that is like clean as a whistle, very Kubrickian, if you will, very precise. And yet there are filmmakers like him, Paul Thomas Anderson. You can look at half of PTA's films and you can see where someone else would go, that was a fuck up. But because he chose it and put it in the movie, he almost, uh, what's the word? Um, he anointed it with like, with uh, art. You know, and that's the thing that I love about what you guys have been doing for all of these films is you're peeling back the curtain, so to speak, on so many movies. And I appreciate that. You know, like we as filmmakers would be blessed to have you guys look at like works that we've done. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I'm really hoping <laughs> for that night. It's a badass in the podcast someday. Um, but, you know, like, I, like, honestly, I really appreciate what you guys are doing and to be able to have two voices uh, you know, like involved, I think has been, has struck a really good balance. The Kim Masters episode that you guys did that I listened to again. Um, I love Kim Masters. I've been such one a of fan our, of hers for one years. One of it, our favorite episodes, Katie. Oh my God. What kills me is that I remember that article. And, <laughs> and wait, Joe, remember... and wait, and wait, Joe, an episode that has made some people not want to do this. Yes. <laughs> really? We were like, we sent it to someone. We're like, here's a really good episode. And then they were like, no, we're not going to do the show. 
that wouldn't want to make me do it more because even when you have someone who is as well versed as Kim, I listen to her podcast, the um, um, the business every week. I think she's got a fantastic pulse, and she has for decades. She knows her shit, and.、Mm-hmm. The article that she put out about Miami Vice, I remember when that came out, and I remember reading it, and I remember going like, "In man we trust, we're fine, <laughs> like we're, we're 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 forging ahead." And then the fact that she had never seen it too, like I hope, I pray that she listened to the episode back, or even if she just like walked away from the episode and just kind of went, "You know what? Nah, <laughs> why not? Let me throw it in," you know. Like the the amount of love and care that you guys put into the evaluation of this particular movie, it look I listened to like three when you first asked me, Blake.、Uh, I went back and listened to a couple more episodes, but then went because my partner、um, Becca had never seen the movie before, and she's a big man fan as well. But she kind of read the hype or the anti hype when the movie came out and went like, "Oh man, I don't know," you know, like, and then never got to see it. So. Got to, I got to sit her down, and I. And what's great is that I I tend to do this thing where I, I watch the person I'm watching, like he's watching the movie, I'm like, huh? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Why is this?、Um, you know, look what Tom Towles from Henry Porter is doing, killer crazy.、Um, <laughs> and we were like, and it was so fascinating because I am、um, I'm the bigger of the two of us. She has like. Created like a, me、uh, in a, a to appreciate classic films and like like seventies exploitations and Sergio Corbucci movies way more. And I have brought her into the light of like eighties movies and genre films more.、Um, we both kind of、uh, you know come to loggerheads about、uh, romantic comedies, of course.、Um, but when it comes to slick like genre thrillers, which we watched a lot of when we were making Suitable Flesh. Uh, you know, like it was nice to see how she was absorbing it for the first time. And for me, I had not seen the movie since opening night. And even Joey, when the unrated Joey, directors, I, I, we have to, I, we have to get into you, that. I want to tell you because it's now like it's seventeen years in one day since that. You would have been there on opening night. I saw it at the Cinerama Dome, and I was. So fucking stoked because, like, I I got to admit, like, I was wary on Michael Mann going back to that IP for multiple reasons because you know for me it felt like, dude, you can do whatever the fuck you want, like, and Miami Vice really. But then again, you know, like, I loved his reteaming with Jamie Fox again. I thought he was, you know, obviously they had a kind of Scorsese DiCaprio kind of thing going on at the time, you know, with just their. Symbiosis with Collateral and Ali, and I was like, "Bring it on, more, you know, more, more Fox Man collaborations. I'm in." The the pictures of Colin Farrell's mullet, I was like, "It's going to be interesting." Which, you know, which for folks, you which for、that. folks who are about to see Suitable Flesh, because we've been able to see a teaser,、uh, not the whole movie, just the teaser of the movie. Joe's kind of rocking a bit of Farrell. Like this is the other <laughs> thing; he's got a great tash. In a, his own directorial cameo, and his hair is your hair is beautiful, Joe. In that trailer, you were, you were channeling Sunny in your、uh, appearance as、uh, orderly. If I would、two. have watched, if I would have watched <laughs> the movie again, I would have slicked my hair back even more. I would have put some more gel in, and I would have. It's funny, but、um, like it's the first time that I ever heard someone call it a tash. But if you look at Farrell's stash, it looks like a capital T. So、yeah. is that like really the the official? 
phrasing of the <laughs> Colin Farrell stash it's is all... more of a tash. Yeah, it's definitely a tash. It ne it needs to be called the tash from now on. <laughs> yes, a I, new term. I, I look. I I really want to talk to you guys about this because I I've I've had I've had I've had issues with Mr. Man for years now. Um, you know, being a fan of his, like a as Blake knows, an ardent worshiper, of, like to the point where, I, like, an apologist. You know, it's like I will fight a motherfucker over the keep. <laughs> any day of the week you know it's like, like yes. i will i will we will come to blows outside the new bev you know for certain <laughs> movies of his but when you know and there is something to be said about like people are talking in in the the twitterverse the lexicon about these um older filmmakers uh who we've put on these pedestals for years everybody from spielberg to uh maybe not george lucas but you know like we have Michael Mann, and we have Spielberg, and we have, um, uh, I'm trying to remember who, there was somebody else that I was like, oh, shit, of course. Fried, Friedkin's you know, one of oh, these guys, too. Friedkin, Billy. Scorsese, you know, yeah. look, fucking Scorsese with that new that new trailer, you, you, you'd think he was a 25-year-old neophyte, you know, just kind of <laughs> coming out with his guns blazing. There are some, and, and I got to admit, like, between West Side Story and The Fablemans, like, Spielberg, he seems to still have a lot of pep in his step. So with all, and you know, and, and look, Michael Mann's new movie is like what premiering at the New York Film Festival and playing in Toronto. It's like, and I think it, it's, it's playing Venice. Movie. Uh, yeah, Venice, that's it. It's, it's, it's Venice. Venice and it is the New York Film Festival. And just by the way, we know people, uh, we know people who've seen it and, and Bill Gabiri called me the other day and was like, Hey, it's playing in New York. You want to come? to come see it and i go bilga if i leave my family and i come to new york city again i will come home and my house won't be here anymore. my family will be gone i have i can't i can't do any more trips for like one night to new york city it's yeah. like more blake, time in the air blake, than the ground blake blake <laughs> when bilga calls you with an invitation to a michael mann movie you say yes well, I did. What's I wrong did. With you? I, I did, did last once. time. I did yeah. last time. I answered the call. Okay. I answered. I answered the call. Um, yeah. No, I don't know if I can do that on October. Anyway, stop talking to me about it because I'll start thinking about it. Um, but, but uh, we we do know that it has. There have been tests, and the word is extremely good. Extremely oh. good. Talk to you more off air. Katie and I don't reveal our sources. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Since I want to get into it with you guys because you, it feels like you, you, you both with the various guests that you've had on and, you know, the, the different topics that you've done, you guys have covered the gamut of this movie. And at this point, I think if, uh, like any new listener or, you know, or what have you is going to listen, listen to my bullshit, you know, and they're going to reevaluate the movie. Great. You know, but. I, the, the thing that I want to come to this, because a lot of times when you listen to appreciation posts or, um, you know, podcasts dedicated to certain films, in most cases, they are from a positive spin, in most cases. Um, and now, I'm not coming from uh, a negative spin on this movie, because there are things that I absolutely love about it. And that, I think, comes from, you know, my allegiance, my... my uh, and we want to say, Joe, man allegiance. We, we want to assure people who are listening, this is a safe space because as yeah. we know, you know, around the, around this table, virtual table, 
Katie's favorite Michael Mann movie is Collateral. And we cover that on like little digressions that we have on yeah. this show, which we love doing, Collateral Confessions. We love it. It's one of Katie's favorite LA movies. My favorite man film, of course, is Heat. But I am very open that like when I watch The Insider sometimes or when I watch Thief sometimes or when I watch Mohicans, yeah. like in the moment I'm watching that, it's my favorite Michael Mann movie. That's what happens when you have your favorite filmmakers. Sometimes they're just, if you're in the right mood, the inside is the best man movie in my Okay. Opinion. All right. Now that that brings up a very good point. Now there are let's take comedians, for example. Yeah. You could take George Carlin. You can take, yeah. you know, um Richard Pryor. You could take um uh, you know any any you know Bobcat Goldthwait, you know, you could take all of these comedians, old and new, and you could go, I love their delivery. I love the way they tell jokes or they tell stories in their own particular yeah. way yeah. and yet sometimes you can watch like a later set or a later stand-up special or whatever and go you know the material whatever they were talking about wasn't as good or like you know take dave Chappelle for example like he's obviously gotten much more political and much more progressively controversial at times but people still bring the baggage of god i loved how he told all of these stories or chris rock you know like yeah. all these guys who have a very particular voice and that voice carries into you might not like the material that they're covering but you still like their delivery yeah the, it's, so it's every it's michael the cadence. Movie, it's yeah, the cadence exactly. it's the rhythms it's the decisions as you said it's like you know how how whatever um whatever choice that they make in that mm -hmm. into to those ends and it's the choices it's like i just like being floored by the choices because they don't seem like they could ever have been made by anyone else but anyone else mm -hmm. exactly and that's that's where my love for man has carried ever since i saw um manhunter and, and you know I, I went back to thief before that and then from there it was every movie from then on i wanted to hear his version of the story mm -hmm. and whether or not you like the story or not you still feel like you are captivated to how this person gesticulates with the camera or gesticulates with the sound or works with the actors or the blocking or the sound design or just those choices that he makes. And you feel like you are in the hands of someone so competent and so assured on those choices that things that you would otherwise consider a fuck up a sound like sound dropping out like the moment when when john hawks and alonzo dies and the sound drops out in the movie that would have gone through qc because like anytime we make a movie i'm doing I, I did it like just a couple of weeks ago with our movie anytime that you have something that you know to someone who's been doing this for years and they watch something and they go like oh that's a jump cut or you know this looks like a fucked up frame or did the sound just drop out all of a sudden they flagged that and that that felt like a moment that any other filmmaker who did that in a fucking marvel movie or a star wars movie or anybody else someone would have said oh that seems like a, that's a mess up like i was watching tokyo vice the first episode there is an egregious jump cut <laughs> in one of the um the uh like the the police station scenes where like it goes from the camera whip pans around and then there is an obvious jump in that and anyone else you'd get a studio note a producer note going like that there's something there's something fucked up there 
Michael Mann gets a fucking, he gets away with it. There's, <laughs> there's a vitality to what yeah. he brings to the table that allows you to go, anything that he's doing, you know that he is, because, you know, we all heard the story about the belt, the belt buckle in Ali and how he went through the crowd and found the belt buckle and went, that's wrong. You know, you right. know if that <laughs> motherfucker has that level of detail, he's going to make the choice of saying, when Alonzo gets run over, and the camera almost like cuts abruptly with a sound like edit that almost feels like an error. I don't know if it's that it's he's calling attention to the cinematic filmmaking form itself or that he's just kind of giving Alonzo a, a brief moment of silence. Yeah. He gets away with it. And that's the yeah. beauty of Michael Mann. But the, I mean, yes, he is very detail oriented. We talked about how on Ferrari, he's like matching the wallpaper to the authentic wallpaper that was in <laughs> the actual place. And then also he's like obsessing over like the number of windows in the yeah. factory uh, that they're going to shoot the outside of. So it's like, yes, all of that stuff is intentional. So I think we all sort of feel sort of safe when those little weird things happen or we like perk mm -hmm. up a little and say like, oh, I'm going to pay attention to this. But I want to hear your, like, tell us the narrative, your Miami Vice narrative. You're at the Cinerama Dome on opening night, 2006. What did you think when you walked out of the theater? Were you like, you were so pumped. Were you like, yes, or were you like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> I fucking hated it. Oh! <laughs> See, we had to get it. to we, that. Katie had to just... <laughs> No, I, and this is why I love you, Katie, because you like you brought it back around again, you know, which is good because I can yeah. sit here and go like, oh, jump cuts for, you know, <laughs> no. come home. What um, happened when but, you walked out of the theater? That's what I want to know. I was so He fought three people in the lobby. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Blood on I, the floor. I, I, honestly, I, I remember going, you know, in with the, all the best expectations. I heard the bad buzz, but I didn't care because you know what? All of Michael Mann's films, very much like James Cameron, all of his films come with the buzz of like, he's a megalomaniac. Oh, you know, he's he's crazy. You know, he's so detail oriented that the crew hates him. And she's like, let me see the movie and you go, ah, the proof's in the pudding. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. he gets away with it. And I, I got to admit, like now, backing up a little bit further, I was an obsessive over Miami Vice. It was one of the shows mm. that my dad who didn't like movies. My mom loved movies. My dad didn't like movies. He only, the only two shows that we bonded over because, and this is funny because of the, these two shows are considered very cinematic because of the auteurs behind it, but it was Miami Vice and it was Twin Peaks. Mm -hmm. And those two shows were Good shows taste, that like I could tell and, and like hated movies otherwise. Like not hated, but like he was just like, ah, you go watch your fucking horror movie shit. But there was something about because my dad was my dad customized cars. He was a fashion designer for cars back in the day in Long Island. And when you have a show that has all those Ferraris and all those Lamborghinis and they're driving very fast and they're shot incredibly well and you have all that 80s music and you have the Phil Collins on like and the rolled up sleeves like we when we were growing up that was the epitome of cool. That was the blueprint of cool. Was yeah. that very show? And we watched all of them. And some of my fucking heroes, like Abel Ferrara directed episodes. You know? yeah. So you can go back and be able to say like, holy crap, you can see how man was infusing the, the culture 
with his sensibilities of what cool was, what the Miami culture was in, in the sensibilities of cool. He had a pulse on cool. Yes. Now, the movie that I watched that fateful night, uh, 17 years ago, and the movie that I watched about four days ago, uh, the difference was palpable because it was the unrated cut. So, like, I re I distinctly remember being in the Cinerama Dome and all of a sudden getting punched in the face by fucking Lincoln Park <laughs> and Jay Z. Like, like, whoa, holy crap! Like, I thought I thought Rap Rock was dead, but all right, whatever. Um, but in this, when you have this, that, that so Rap Rock was dead. That, like, honestly, like it was. I remember going like, wait a second. Like, I remember Michael Mann always be kind of bringing the cool, not kind of pulling cool from 1999 into the fray. It was just, it was a very jarring moment. And but it was not looking, like in 2006, like that song was not cool to like. No, it was, it was. <laughs> but the thing is, again, I went, okay, all right, all right, Mike. Like, I, I got you. Like, if you're, if you're gonna, pull all right, a, Mike. A all right, Mike. Cup, you, <laughs> If you're going to pull a retro cut on me, there's probably a really good reason because he's done that in the past and he makes the shit cool. You know, I got to admit, like, you know, looking at the two versions, because I, rem I remember the, the, the first the theatrical cut very well burned into my fucking retinas. Yeah, you're uh, never forgetting then, that. <laughs> no. And, and, and I did enjoy the unrated director's cut more because it leaned into things that I think um, you could tell a studio head was like, we have to have this movie played five fucking times. That movie can't be that long. It's a summer movie. You know, you have to trim this shit down. So the whole Smuggler's Run opening um, was welcome to me. Like, I think it, it obviously it sets up so much for the storyline later on. I think, man, there's something about that theatrical cut that is so almost nonlinear plot is secondary yeah to both versions to me you know it is yeah. it, it it is a movie about mood about feeling about attitude and about rhythm i couldn't if you asked me right now what that movie was about i'd say a trailer blows up in the third act you know like, <laughs> it's a movie about loads yeah it's about loads oh it's dropping loads left and right Katie. <laughs> There's a it is about transporting loads. It's about loads. Okay. It's about vectors. It's about <laughs> more loads. All right. So, the, the so here here's where I want to pose because I I know that you guys have talked about this movie you know ad nauseum. Yeah. Um, watching the movie on the big screen, like in the theater at the Cinerama Dome, uh, and then watching it at home uh, streaming um, on a seventy inch screen with really good sound. I was trying to recreate, you know, as, as good an experience that I can for someone who'd never seen it before with Becca and myself again. And here's, here's what I wanted to pose to you guys. Now we all know that Michael Mann was one of the first um, innovators of bringing digital cinema to the forefront, right? He did it for certain shots in Ali. He fully embraced it with Dion Beatty in Collateral, which I think I can go back to that movie and watch that film. And there are shots in that film that I think are some of the most gorgeous things that he's ever done, Absolutely. digital grain or not, right? right? And I, like, as a filmmaker myself, um, you know, I, I've done many films in digital, but I was always striving for the look of, cinema of days of yore 
yeah. not the way that man was with especially with um with collateral and even into this where it felt like he was trying to push the medium forward with the digital cinematography especially with all the stuff at night right now with that um certain lenses are employed uh, a lot more certain techniques are um are augmented like slow motion is completely different it has a completely different look in digital as opposed to um as opposed to film watching the movie i wondered if this movie was shot on film would i like it more because mm. there are certain things let's take for example the scene in the trailer uh the, the the big trailer showdown which i think is the best scene in the movie i think that is where man knew exactly what the fuck he wanted down to those beautiful wide angle shots of Jamie Foxx which when you're in, in his when you're way, in his eye line when you're in his when eye you're line, in his eye when you're yeah. doing like you know yeah, on, yeah. <laughs> just shit, like you know. his wonky close-ups yeah that yeah. are like all yeah yeah there's there's something about the now if he had Dante Spinotti you know throwing in a 10 inch lens on you know Jamie Foxx the way that he did with Michael um with um Russell Crowe in The Insider I think you would have achieved something to that effect. There is an immediacy to digital cinema that makes you feel very much like in the moment. The problem with it, at least again, this is let me just put a disclaimer up. These, you know, these views and opinions this are is, this, uh, is, this, is, this is this is a safe alone. this is a safe place. I know, I know. It it's it's just like I think I put on letterbox that I gave that I I gave it three stars at the time and I went, you know what? Check with me in an hour. I might give it five stars. Check with me again <laughs> an hour after that. I might give it no stars. I'm very conflicted. And immediately there are people like, you're, you're bullshit. You got it's a masterpiece or like, oh, it's too low. Like this movie does draw a lot of reactions out of people. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of the cinematic techniques that he's, he's doing in Miami Vice that give it an almost anti-slick feel whereas if he was shooting it on gorgeous 35 millimeter you know with with Dante Spinotti I think that the film I would have felt more engaged as opposed to I hate to say it but there were so many times that I went this feels like he because when, when you're on set and you're trying to shoot shots and you're giving it to your DP I do it a lot where I grab my phone and I like shoot the version of like a move, an angle, a, like um, a lens size. And then I airdrop it to the DP and he goes, this is how we want to do it. Mm -hmm. All there's so many shots in the movie that felt like the behind the scenes version of oh. what Michael Mann was trying to achieve when he was going to shoot it on film, but they went, yeah, fuck it. Let's just move on. You know, <laughs> I, there was, I don't know what it was. I think it's because my eye is still so trained on there is a difference between 30, 30 frames per second or 60 frames per second, which is usually video, and 24 frames per second, which is film, that there is a different reality involved. Yes. And I don't, I, I'm so curious what, like, if you guys felt this way or if other, like, listeners felt that way where there were moments, like, especially in the shootout scenes when they would do slow-mo shots, oh, God, like, it's the sort of thing that, like, <laughs> I remember having this old um, 24P camera back in the day, back in the day in the old 2000, <laughs> uh, there was a camera called the HVX 2000. And it was a digital camera. It was one of the first digital cameras that shot in 24 frames per second. 
And I was lucky enough, I put myself on a waiting list and I got the first one in LA and I got hired for every fucking crappy metal video and every <laughs> hip hop video at the time. But hey, you know what? It paid the fucking bills. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I just love the way you put it. Because yeah. <laughs> it was those two extremes, you know, uh, they, and they all love wide angle lenses. Uh, but they, there was um, there was a need for, look, we can't shoot this on film, but if you can make it look like film. So it was a combination of like looking like 24P, which looked like film. And then I would put black bars on the top and the bottom to make it look like 2351. And all the video commissions would be like, wait a second, did you use 16 millimeter anamorphic widescreen? I'm like, sure, yeah. <laughs> yes. there, is, there is something that that look creates for an audience that has so been in, ingrained in seeing grain that when you change that aesthetic and you change, and this is my point here, you change the aesthetic on something that has already been established as an IP, right? Let's take, for example, Lord of the Rings, right? You have the first three Lord of the Rings lovingly shot in 35 millimeter, and then you go, but wait, there's more. We have The Hobbit, and we're gonna shoot it in 60 frames per second. And I remember the same thing. I walked into the theater and I went, this looks like a fucking soap opera. I <laughs> couldn't be immersed in the world mm -hmm. because, especially because the first three movies came out and they had a very particular look. Miami Vice was shot on film, even for television. It had a very cinematic look. You had Michael Mann was trying to harness the slick kind of feel that he had gotten from Thief and all these other films before that and all the films from like, you know, John Borman and Walter Hill and Billy Friedkin and all these kind of cool, muscular directors from back in the day and then try to <clears throat> squish it down at the TV. And now he's now taking that aesthetic and trying to blow it up into, you know, back onto the big screen, but do it with TV kind of technology. Wait, can I can I actually push back on that? I don't think he's Please. trying to recreate the show's aesthetic. Yeah, that's I, that, I, that. I think he's trying to do something completely new, and I think that's I why people so. are yeah. not connecting to the or didn't connect to the movie because they were like, "What the hell is this?" Because we actually talked to someone, a guy who's from Miami, a filmmaker from Miami, and he said he remembered when and how the show like created like what Miami looks like. Like Miami mm -hmm. copied the show and said, <laughs> "Oh, that's what people think we are. We're gonna become that." And then the mo the movie came out, and everyone in Miami was like, "What the fuck is this?" So yeah. <laughs> I think he's like consciously breaking the aesthetic. I don't think he's trying to make like a linear thing. And then to, to the question I think you posed us, which is, would I like this movie better if it was shot on film? Is that what you were saying? Yeah, yeah pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Or just so, have a different, different feel a, for it. I mean, it would have obviously have, I mean, it wouldn't be the movie that it is. And I think that yeah. like, there are some like muddy digital messy shots in there, but some then you jank, also have some janky fucking shit. In that, like... <laughs> right. But then you also have, like, I think the scene where they're, I've said this a million times of where they're standing on the roof and you see this huge, crazy sky behind them. Like that's you'd so never get that in film. You'd beautiful. never get that. In film. Like yeah. some of the like flying shots, the boat shots, all this stuff, um, you know, it's stunningly gorgeous. I think the movie is like stunningly gorgeous. And I sort of accept the, jankiness you know as part of the the uh relationship or the bargain that i'm making with the movie but i'm going to pose a theory 
right now. I think that the entire aesthetic, the sound, the digital, whatever, everything about this movie is an embodiment of Sonny Crockett. The character played by Colin Farrell <laughs> in 2006 or 2005 when they shot it. I, it's like, wait, Katie, I thought rap rock was dead. Yeah, well, Sonny Crockett <laughs> brought it back is, to life. Does not, it, it's still alive and well for that man. And he's, I think, also like, I think part of the digital stuff, it like, it ties into the thematics of what they're doing. Like, you have Justin Thoreau with these like little dinky cell phones and cameras and like, it's it's capturing this like shitty surveillance vibe of what these people are actually doing but like i think that sonny crockett would he is the human embodiment of like a 2006 camcorder we'll be right back after this quick break My, my, like my mind is fucking blown right now. <laughs> and, and because you know what? Here's the thing: you're not fucking wrong. Like absolutely not. It's just like, a theory. It's just a theory. No, no, no. But but here, here, I like, the, the, I can automatically like hear like you know if, if Stunning is not on the case, he's probably listening to Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water yes, from Limp He is just casually is. just driving down the fucking that bridge in Miami. Just kind of you know, in a three hundred thousand dollar Ferrari, by the way. <laughs> what an and incongruity! If this movie was, if Tubbs was the person that this movie was all about, it, maybe it's on mm -hmm. Beautiful Thirty Five. Yeah, it should have been on Thirty Five. Absolutely, I agree. Okay, you, you know, and but but it's also it's that very specific thing, Joe. Because in Oz, Miami Vice was huge too. Huge, like a mm -hmm. uh, what do you call it? Um, like like TV uh, rerun culture here. Like we got a lot of sort of American culture like in reruns. Um, but when I saw this, it was like a world I'd never seen before. It's the same way when I look at Heat and, you know, that's why some people either A, think it's one of the best LA movies ever or B, they're kind of like, oh, I have never, like I, I, I do associate it as an LA movie or maybe not because it doesn't look like the LA you identify from all of the canonical LA things. You're like, oh, okay, cool. Like Chinatown. Yeah. And oh yeah, Collateral is an LA movie for sure. hundred percent drive. Yeah. LA movie. Cool. Speed. Yes. Got it. But like, like heat makes old drive-ins look like a graveyard. In, yeah. Like it looks like a drive-in is like a graveyard in a John Ford Western that someone walks up to or a hill like, and says like goodbye in, uh, to their, you know, bye to a loved one and then it, go back yeah, to town. It, it looks like, um, what is it? All, all quiet on the Western front. When yes. I watched all quiet on the Western <laughs> front recently. I went, that looks like the drive-in in heat. Holy <laughs> shit. You know, yeah. it's like war zone. Where are the trenches? Okay. Yeah. Um, now I, now you're going to make me, if this whole point was to make me watch the fucking movie again, <laughs> you've already done it. And but and we also we have to one, plan is working. We have one slight <laughs> correction: is that now there are actually three cuts of the movie. Oh, there is a Miami Vice from 2006, yeah. which is 17th birthday. Then there's the unrated director's cut. But Joe, there's the Miami Nice cut. Our own cut. There's a few. Tell me more. <laughs> there's a there is a fusion of both cuts which we um had 
an editor friend of ours put together for us, Fashion Nidomansky. And it is basically the bookends of the movie from the theatrical cut stay the same because Katie okay. and I worship at the church of Nam Angkor. <laughs> and, 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 and then it has, we like the music a little bit better in the final shootout scene in the theatrical cut. So we kind of put that on, but. And the Trudy scenes. There's more Trudy scenes. Yeah, but so, yeah, that's what I mean. In the middle oh, yeah. is all Great. the Trudy scenes. It's all that ex- extended stuff. It's the salutations from my friends in the South. You know, all that. You need that as far as we're concerned because it's just, it, it helps deepen and enrich the movie. But that's like, that. that's. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait. Okay. So, because here, bringing it back <laughs> to the, the 1999, um, uh, I want your opinions, and I think I remember this from earlier episodes, but I want your opinions on um, on the Phil Collins cover. Because like which cut, which version of the song is in the Miami Nice? Is it non-point or is it Phil Collins? So we really tried to get Phil Collins over. And that was our that was our brief. We when I spoke to Vash, I was like, can you please like could you make non-point the end music? You take non-point out of the end music in the um, director's cut and make it Phil Collins, and he couldn't do it. So I'm like, okay, well then just take it out. Like I took out that and I put back the theatrical cut, which doesn't have non-point. You're already making me go to premiere right now <laughs> and drop in that because I, like that that is another thing there because like when we were talking about before about taking the um, taking Miami Vice and kind of bringing it into the the next century in a whole new generation and you know you're right katie it, it's not the miami vice from the 80s mm-hmm. but i do wonder if if man had just called it florida cops <laughs> not florida cops <laughs> that's i want to see florida right. cops i want oh i'm God. making i'm Can making please the, make florida I'm making cops. the florida cops Cut. I'm making the Florida cops. Yes. I, want to, I want to play orderly number two in Florida cops. Katie's orderly number one. But if they had called it anything else, if it was I know, sunny, I know, I think if, you're if, right. If it was yeah. Mooney, if it was, if instead of Tubbs, it was Skinny. Did you, you know, say Mooney? Like, Mooney? Yeah. Instead of Sunny, his name is Mooney. This Bill is Moody, the creativity of Joe Lynch's mind. I just am watching your beautiful mind like come up with this stuff. Like Mooney am and I like Russell Crowe. Am I like Russell Crowe? Like all these things back here are just parts of my mind. Okay, going, give me the chalk. Mooney. Florida cops. Check. Florida, Florida cops. cops. I'm obsessed. <laughs> um. No, I mean. Movie now. Right. Yeah. No. I. I think you're totally right that like. People, I mean, Miami Vice is such an iconic cultural property that, you know, I think people were like not expecting it. That's why it did not do well. Also, it had bad press and all this stuff. But I think it's like, you know, it's really found its niche, obviously, now. It's like getting to the point where it's almost too beloved to the point where it's like you can get backlash. Yeah, it is. I another movie that I saw opening night a much trashed, reviled film is now on the fucking Criterion Collection is Showgirls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think this is, I think this is man's Showgirls. <laughs> and I don't mean that as an insult. I do not mean that as an insult. I mean that in, there is something about when you look at 
what Verhoeven was trying to do back in 95. And there is a twinkle in his eye. He was on fucking Good Morning America for a whole week promoting showgirls. There is people look back at that and go, oh what the fuck were we thinking? That's <laughs> like that, that's like that's like Chris Nolan on the view. Like the main oh of Chris that's Nolan exactly, on the view was that's like, exactly just why, plug it why? into my fucking psychosis <laughs> all the memes of that oh my god the best if you would have told if you would have told me or anyone else the weekend after showgirls came out and said hey fellas guess what there's gonna be this crazy new technology that's gonna take the criterion collection you know all those laser discs you have that cost a hundred bucks they're gonna make an entire service where you can watch all their fucking movies and guess what movie is going to be one of the most popular films at one point <laughs> showgirls and we're going to go are you fucking nuts and here we are yeah but there the point is is that there there was a knowing twinkle in verhoven's eye where i think he was in on the the joke of how soap opera e mm, the movie yeah. is and oh, so over the top and so kind of operatic in a way like Nomi goes from one to 11 like that, right? Now take this with Miami Vice and there are moments where Sonny's delivery, especially during the negotiation scene um, yes. where they're at the table and what does he have? It's like, my mommy and daddy know me. I yeah. was there are literally lines. just thinking that. That's <laughs> nice because we got product that's got to move. Real tight and move as fast as FedEx. Move to where? To New York through South Florida. Move when? Right now. Kind of all of an instant. That means only one thing, real fast. So price, is it right? Price is right. But how I know if you any good at this shit? What's that? Yeah, your business. How much volume you do? Whose product you move? Who you work with? Other than Nicolas, who the fuck knows you? My mommy and daddy know me. And we don't talk about who we work with. We didn't come down here to audition for business. Business auditions for us. And knows all about us before they call Nicholas. That way we don't waste half gas. For our motherfucking time. to be telling you about our shit you can't find out on your own why do i not buy that you with da the feed what's what? up they talking about transport line you with the man you weren't a liar i'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen people gonna come in here you know what they're gonna say they're gonna look around and they're gonna go all out here that's some crazy motherfucking wallpaper what is that Jackson Pollock? No vehicle. That was Jose Euro. He got splattered all over his own wall. So, we can close each other's eyes right now real fast. Then ain't nobody gonna make no money. You wanna there, fuck there my partner? That are, yeah, there are lines that are so fucking arch and yeah. so overdone yeah. that like you can't not like I, I would love to have been in do you know how many times i sat in do you know how many times i sat in a corporate meeting 
and someone will say a line and then a Miami Vice prompt in my broken brain like makes me want to say a Sonny Crockett line. My mommy and daddy know me. I mean, the the dialogue is camp. Like we have oh. to just admit that yes. the dialogue yes. is yeah. camp. But, yes. but here's the thing, like it in 2006 when the movie came out, the show, and again, this is where I think Florida Cops would have been a better choice. <laughs> We went in where there was no irony. There was no like um, winking to the audience like yeah. in a 21 Jump Street sort of fashion when, when Miami Vice came out in the 80s. It was, this is cool. We're taking this serious. We are not fucking around here. We're not making a joke out of it. This is, if you want to be cool, roll up your sleeves, grab a mojito and go bust some fucking drug dealers. Like that's how you did it. And then you're now taking that and you're you're doing it as like almost like a high school play version of it, like in this new version. <laughs> and I don't and again, I don't mean that in a bad way, but they, there is this is where I'm curious if you guys felt the same way, because watching it back in 2006 and watching it in 2023 were two vastly different perspective screenings for me. Because yeah, yeah, now yeah. I can watch it and I sit there and go. Did he know that he was making high camp the whole time, the way Verhoeven felt like he was making camp the whole time with showgirls? Was there something where he go, he's going, like, man is going, this is so fucking ridiculous. I'm getting paid so much money to throw at the screen with these amazing actors, and they're acting like nincompoops. Like, but done in a way where they are not winking to the camera. They are doing it seriously, but it's serious camp. And... It's not like, it's that thing like in Back to the Future where Marty McFly goes like, look, you might not like it now, but your kids are going to love it. Like this, this, <laughs> this movie almost feels like it wouldn't have been appreciated at the time, especially because, you know, we're coming out of, we're four years removed from the moment where everyone said, are we allowed to laugh again? Are we allowed to be like, mm -hmm. after 9-11, everybody, we got into torture porn. We got into very serious films that it felt like we couldn't be like funny or we couldn't make fun of ourselves we couldn't take a piss if you will yeah. mm -hmm. like, there was a time where we couldn't get into those kind of campy histronics i yeah. think now i like i i will say this whereas i walked out of cinerama dome fucking you know so disappointed and hating and everything i wa i finished watching this and i went I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I still, I still feel like there are moments that like just don't work for me. Um, I think that the digital cinematography kept taking me out of the moment. Aside from that trailer park scene, um, like inside there, which I thought was he would not have been able to achieve that level of intimacy, that intense intimacy without the digital bravado of the, the digital cameras being able to give what he got. But I, but I want to give you- I want to so bad. I want to forgive, forgive you though on that, you know, cinema, appreciating cinema is obviously a, a subjective experience. And when you can find a little campfire or a very horny campfire as we sort of stoke here on Miami Nice, like uh, you can find people who are all on the same page, but your eye is trained to what you can achieve because that's your job, right? So like when you look at the trailer park, that's where the theme and the form probably harmonize the most because you're like, yes. I could not do it anywhere. I, when I go to those rooftops and people are talking, I can't make the sky look like it's a impressionist painting with these like yeah. weird hues of like 
that kind of I don't even know. Olive kind yeah, of sky. It's, yeah, it's like olive sky, but it's then that weird orange from just like the permeating sort of like mm-hmm. um, street lights that, are, you know, in this massive, massive uh, array of street lights. Um, I can't do that any other way. And then you're looking at then the budget of like, I, with all my other stuff, with all the other tools in mm-hmm. my hand, the choice is not going, I'm going to blend some form here. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to shoot it in 35 because on 35, then I'm really going to see the curves of the Ferraris and I'm really going to see the sweat yeah. and I'm really going to see the te- the skin texture and it's going to, and I'm really going to like the frame rate. So, you know, you, you can forgive yourself for that, but Katie, ro- your first experience of Miami Vice was like, you were like, this is a curio. This is a weird movie other than Colin Farrell because Katie is the president of the Dirtbag Hall of Fame. She was like, I may have a new inductee here. Um, other than that. Um, I said, I- don't let this awaken something in me. <laughs> But it was already there. It was already awake. <laughs> it was, no, it was no. awake. Yeah. So I saw this for the first time in grad school um, at uh, in like 2013, 2012. And uh, was what crazy. made you wait? What, what made you not see it before? Just no interest at all in mojitos or? Um, I'm going to be completely honest. I think I was breaking up with my boyfriend at the time. And there, look, there's, there's no worse movie to watch than Miami Vice. You know, you'd be like, I bet he would have liked this fucking movie. <laughs> I, I think, I think that was the summer of 2006 was just intense. I there don't know. There was denim. There was big belts. There I was, was wearing vests. huge belts. They were literally hanging me onto the ground. I couldn't get up off the floor. <laughs> Studded belts were just trapping me to the ground. <laughs> um... No, like I don't know. Playing in the background. Yeah, you know, totally. Know. I was like going to electro clash clash shows in Brooklyn or something. Um, oh, if I had a fucking time days. machine, people like I'd go back and kill Hitler. Nah, all, of, all of us just went to Williamsburg for like ten seconds. <laughs> right, like, oh, right. Oh my god! <laughs> Holy fuck! I don't know. I think I just was like not paying attention to it. I'm just being totally honest. Um, what drew you to see it then? Like, like when you did. I, I literally had to, I was played in my class. Please mention I, your professor my, again. My professor played it in my class that I was taking in grad school at USC, Reagan's America, parentheses, Crack Nation. Uh, Dr. Boyd, shout out. We need to get him on it's the pod. It's Todd Boyd, right? He's yeah, Todd in. Boyd. I could just say, we've, we've said his name a bunch of times now. Yeah. He's in, um, oh my God, what was it? He's in The Last he, Dance. Yeah, he's like in every single documentary as a yeah, talking he's, head. Yeah, he's a yeah. talking head in The Last Dance at some point. Yeah, and so I, he, I remember, yeah, yeah. We just are. This entire class was we wa- read huge books about Reagan and then watched movies about drug dealers. There's a whole class. Um, great class. Sign very, me up. That sounds yeah, great. And very illuminating. Take it over um, the summer. But I re- I remember watching it and being like like kind of laughing at it. And I think you are bringing in a, an idea that I feel is a little bit taboo to talk about in the Miami Vice, the current Miami Vice fandom, which is that this movie is camp. But it's also serious camp. Like, I think the way a lot of younger people watch it now, they're so like reverent about watching it. And like, if I'm at a repertory screening, and anybody laughs at Miami Vice, like I hate these people. I'm like, bitch, it's funny. Like. <laughs> My mommy and my daddy love me. Like, I'm a disco (laughs) guy. Like, this shit is funny. So, and I don't know. I have no idea if Michael Mann was, like, intentionally doing his little Verhoeven wink of, like, it's kind of funny. But I think he was also trying to capture 
I don't know, like these swaggering Florida cops. And um, maybe he was like, yeah, they're kind of corny. <laughs> they're, they're listening to Limp Bizkit. This is in the, the book of, of Sonny's, you know, character backstory about his like all the Limp Bizkit albums. But, um, but yeah, I do think like, but I, I think what's so weird about this movie is, is that it's a strange experience of being like, this is action, but it's camp. But then at the end, you're like, oh my God, I'm genuinely heartbroken for these two yeah. people who are separating and I'm moved that Trudy is surviving. And it just takes you through such a strange journey of emotions. What happens? I, I have to I admit. Want, I want to describe something for you, Joe, really quickly, is at the beginning, we've done it this, we've screened Miami Nice virtually a couple of times. And at the beginning, our crew, who is on our Discord and our patrons, who are just the best people, they're just the, they're just a treasure trove of people. The beginning is us laughing. Katie has Katie um, initiated a Miami Nice drinking game, um, which it's not allowed that, anymore. It's not allowed anymore. It's cancelled because um, she was it's like, "Drink every time they say loads." I had I had to call it about <laughs> twenty minutes in. I said, "Katie's no, like we're done." Katie, Katie's like, stop, guys. It has to stop. Yeah. But it starts out with us all having such a great time, you know, um, other than John Hawks. There's a lot of reverence yeah. in that scene. But we're all laughing. We're all quoting. And then at the end, we're all like saying, I love you guys. This movie's so wonderful. Like, it literally is such an arc. And it has happened so many times that I'm like, this is it. There, there, there is an unreplicable experience watching Miami Vice. It, like, funny camp weird and then when that fucking end music goes up yeah and gong lee's face like just that the, the precursor uh. shot and gong lee's face is on a big screen in front of you and the music's playing and she looks out and she's rolling like a single tear i'm like you know like it's that bong joon ho meme of like to me this is cinema like that's it <laughs> yeah. like yeah at the end of it you're like crying you're like i need a rest and yeah. <laughs> you know, like I've walked out of like a Miami night screening and like nearly had tears in my eyes and my wife's yeah. like, you're all right. I'm like, I thought you were podcasting. I'm like, yeah, it's just a good movie and I love everyone. Yeah. It, it does take you on a roller coaster of emotions. It's just that like, again, you're getting on the roller coaster with a preconceived idea of what you two, you're going to expect because I mean, for me, it was because of the TV show. Um, maybe for another generation who had never grown up with that, they were going in, they're going, it's the director of Heat, and it's the director right. of, you know, Collateral. Um, or Colin and, Farrell and the, fans or whoever, yeah. like, yeah. I think it's the closest thing that man has ever done to Kabuki theater. Um, mm. and, 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 and again, but I, and the, that's the reason why, like when you brought up camp, not that I retract that, but there are two sides to that camp. There is the, you know, pompous, almost John Waters type of camp. And then there is the which only he can do to that level. Camp. He exactly. can only do and to that. He's he's at a he's like. Wait, but what was the other kind of camp you were gonna say? There's John Waters camp, okay. and then there's there's John Waters, and then there is like the, like Verhoeven, where yes, he, yeah, like because if you look at Verhoeven's you know American efforts, maybe even like Flesh and Blood as well. But if you look at his American efforts, RoboCop, maybe not Total Recall. Um, Starship, Starship Troopers. Troopers. Yeah. Those are films that if you turn the sound off and you could watch it straight laced, it is presented to you cinematically without any um, tongue in cheek. 
you listen to the dialogue, however, and you and you can you know see the sound matching the film, uh, the film's visuals, and then you go, "What the fuck did they just say?" <laughs> it it changes things to it. It feels like you are taking drama and trying to go for the cheap seats, and that's what Kabuki theater is in many cases. Mm-hmm. You are you are heightening all the drama using form and movement, and for example, like with Kabuki, you are using costumes and makeup because you know those are the cinematic or those are the tricks that the theatrical proscenium arch had for filmmakers completely different man if if he was trying to make a joke out of this movie this is where like i I feel like i want to make sure that i'm being clear here Mm -hmm. i don't think he would have shot it in digital i think he Mm. would have shot it to make it look exactly like he was making if he was making a joke the part of like the part of the best spoofs that we know of like the zucker brothers you know, or or even Lord and Miller, those guys knew that they have to take what you expect aesthetically and then subvert it. Yeah, the man wasn't trying to do that with this. No, he I think going, he's I'm pushing the technique forward. Completely. I think he's you deadly know? serious because if you think about all the like research and stuff that goes into it, and he really wants to talk about these the Ciudad del Este and the Aryan Brotherhood and the drug traffic. Like it's like there's so much in. You know, he's trying to make it contemporary-ish. Um, but, I, you know, every... Like, Michael Mann makes... Like, he doesn't make only action movies. Like, he makes historical things. Yeah, dramas. Or, dramas. But fundamentally, I think all of his movies are male melodramas. And this is a male yeah. melodrama. Yeah, big time. And sometimes melodramas tip into camp. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And, and this is something that I have learned um, in my own journey as a visual storyteller you don't get this when you start out making movies you think you know it but like it it takes birthing a child so to speak a a cinematic baby you know a a, a film kid uh when you do that you know you do everything you can from prep to execution to promotion to set that kid off into the world and hope and pray that it, it it lives a long life and you know gets embraced by its friends or deals with its peers in certain ways and just try to goes and lives its life it, it's time that evolves both a person and a piece of art and again like watching this movie again like a lot of michael mann's movies because there's a certain ones like uh like the keep uh like manhunter um maybe not heat and and last mohicans which are two of my favorites more black hat i feel also benefits from this a little bit but time changes and evolves a movie Mm. um in in the audience's perception and i i honestly think like yeah you're right i michael mann doesn't seem like the type of guy who's like joe bob briggs where he can just kind of like roll off a like a a really bad joke and everyone goes like you know like (laughs) i don't see him being the jokiest type of dude um maybe he is who knows you know Mm -hmm. uh, maybe he likes it he likes he likes to bust balls he likes to bust (laughs) i think i think yeah like 100 i think his he's very dry if you will the 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 Um, thing that the thing you just nailed something which i think is one of like we, we can sort of end on is michael mann for the longest time this is what i was this is the itch and you articulated of like all of Michael Mann's movies from the second he makes them feel like they are temporarily like temporal, not like temporarily, like temporarily displaced 
So you yeah. see them and you're like, you see Thief and it's made in 80. That's literally the closest movie that is made to a mood, a time, a socio-political outlook, a formal style. It is as close to the thing that it's making because it feels like a new Hollywood movie and really new Hollywood yeah. goes all the way up to Thief, Raging Bull, etc. But then the rest of his movies are all these massive existential dramas, whether they're crime drama, whether it's a, you know, or like this high concept sci-fi and stuff like that with the keep, they're all kind of made and none of them ever really feel like they're of the time that they're made. They all feel yeah. like, like they, you know, they sometimes anchor themselves with music and maybe that he launches a performer that has never been seen before, etc. but they all feel like, and even with Miami Vice, the TV show, that show is like a light year, like just like one single turn of the sun ahead of it's the precursor. Because as Katie was talking about, which I think was so great in that episode, um, uh, we did with Jason Fitzroy was like Miami Vice showed people what Miami was, and then Miami became it. It was like a self-actualization. But yeah. like every one of his movies do this. They kind of all feel like weird, out of time things because he's anchored in a very like very specific very rich worldview of like that like new hollywood filmmaker and he just kept making them and all the philosophical social political ideals and and you know all that stuff just keeps going forward but they all feel like they're anchored so they feel super weird when they come out sometimes they hit and it just resonates and other times they don't and then like a decade later and i think this is just for everything it's like you know so many of the contemporary movies are just the for formally they just don't they don't have the aspiration. They don't look great. And we're mm -hmm. so like deadened with, you know, different streaming dramas and stuff that when you see a Michael Mann movie, you're like, this does not resemble anything I've seen in the last year. And so that's why I'll I think admit, it, it was the most refreshing. One of the most refreshing things that I watched. Uh, if you follow me on Letterboxd, I watch a lot of shit <laughs> and uh, not just shit, but like I just thought I watch a lot of films. And um, like we we were going through, I think in the last, like right before Miami Vice, we watched about eleven movies in thirty six hours. You know, like oh. it was a like we went on a marathon, and we saw watched every movie from you know there was a lot. Uh, but my, I will say that watching Miami Vice, to your point, Blake, is no, whether you love it or you hate it, you cannot deny that this is the output of a filmmaker who has a very particular pulse that he is tapping into no matter what like like whether you like whether you're into listening to that kind of pulse or you're like no that's not my thing um but it is interesting to see like how you know here's someone who started out really i mean my like thief was you know like a kind of a underground hit you know in a way or was like more of a cult classic but no one really knew who Michael Mann was, and he didn't really have the um, the grasp that he did until Miami Vice. Yeah. And then to almost go all the way through his filmography up to the new one, it was just an interesting evolution in seeing how here's a filmmaker that epitomized cool, and I felt like he pushed cool, I even called it like, he went, it's funny that he uses the word slick. You know, yeah. like obviously we know that he loves that word slick and and someone even says slick in the movie again. And that was something that you can go through every one of his movies, even something like um, Last of the Mohicans. There are moments that you could technically, someone would go like, oh, that's slick. You know, <laughs> there is, he is, he is the epitome of slick. He is the, he is the godfather of slick. 
this movie felt so anti-slick by using that um the, the digital form to make it so grainy and so un it felt rough around the edges that gunfight at the end there's a shot where and i'm sure you guys know the shot i'm talking about but it's the handheld shot that's like from the bad guy's perspective and it goes from low angle and runs from one dude to the other it almost feels like that wasn't supposed to happen and yet and it's so anti-slick it's not the sort of thing that otherwise a filmmaker would put you know dolly track going from point a to point b and even put the person on handheld camera but there would be a fluidity to it yes um this has none of that and i think that that's something that he leaned into so much that as an audience member you just have to embrace it or not and you know what i will say that i didn't embrace it at all in 2006 i i'm giving it a bro hug in 2023 now well you know this, well, this movie that's all we can ask hug. for <laughs> right now in this episode because you're an la staple we can announce katie but joe you're gonna go from a bro hug to a salsa dance because one katie walsh in person and perhaps even me from australia virtually are introducing the opening night at the american cinematech podcast festival and the opening film is miami vice <laughs> oh my god on the big screen what at the arrow no at the los Feliz three at oh, the los Feliz oh, good, three good good because you know what like the los Feliz three has great seats if you go to the arrow any movie over two hours your ass is going to be fucking dead <laughs> so miami vice at the los Feliz three yes. is the perfect movie because those seats are very accommodating to whatever version of Miami Vice that you may want to watch. Which yes. is on the long side. That's amazing. Um, Congrats. Yeah. So we um um Thursday, August 24th at the Los Feliz 3 at 7 p.m. It's the American Cinematheque Friend of the Fest Podcast Festival. We are gonna be introducing Miami Vice and I'm sure we'll have Wait, lots which of which cut? Which cut? I actually don't know yet, but uh, they haven't told me. <laughs> let's let's send them the is nice. There, is there time? Is there time for me to to? I, I, what I want to do here, here's my here's my final proposal. Okay. Is you know there you you're saying that there's three versions of Miami Vice. You know what? Fuck it. Why not? You know, like let's let's go for four. Let's go. I'm gonna take Miami Vice because like my my biggest criticism of the movie, you know, or my biggest observation from a very subjective standpoint is that I'm not the biggest fan of the digital cinematography. I even posed to both of you and even to the viewer or the listener that like, what if this movie looked like, uh, like it was shot on 35. I bet that there is some AI thing. I know we're not allowed to talk about AI or whatever, but I bet you that there's some GPT software out there that I know has been being, that has been used in like the last couple of years to remaster a lot of films from you know, 16 millimeter, 35. Yeah, color grading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I almost want to sabotage. I want to. I want to sneak into Deluxe. I want to do a fucking heist, like in Heat. I want to <laughs> sneak into <laughs> Deluxe or Technicolor. Find that like fucking supercomputer, like AI system, probably from Rollerball. Stick my <laughs> device into it, and then go beep boop boop beep boop boop boop, and have 
a 35 millimeter kind of look added to that movie just this to is... see what it would look like. And I'm calling it the Florida cops cut. Okay. Okay. I think, you know, I support you. I think it's sacrilege, but I support you. <laughs> I just want to, I know. I we just want you to be happy, Joe. We want you to be happy. <laughs> I, I would, you know what? I'd probably watch it and go, this was a big mistake. And then, you know, like fucking Skynet will become just... aware because of that movie and go, Wait, what the fuck is this movie? You <laughs> blow this all up. You should just do it to the trailer or something and see if it like just yeah. do it as I'm a test case. I'm very tempted. I just, I just want to see what that would look like. You know, like yes, I. But then again, like that's the beauty of art is that no matter what, we hopefully you know, notwithstanding it doesn't get cut like fucking French Connection did on Disney or whatever where they're cutting oh, yeah. shit out. But thankfully, you know, there is that version there there's three there's that version and two other versions of miami vice that you can enjoy um you know that are definitive extensions of who michael mann is as a storyteller and whether you love it or hate it you can't again like i said before that that is a filmmaker that knows exactly what he wants whether you like it or not like if anything like sometimes you can watch like when i watched miami vice there were times where i'm going it felt like he was even saying like oh, Oh, so you want Miami Vice, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, I think that's exactly you know what? That's, what he's that's doing. It. That's and it. To that, I go, you the man. <laughs> and, well, I, and I and I and then I give him I give him the fucking the the, the bro fist uh, pump that they do <laughs> that that was in every fucking trailer that you knew you would cut I'll, to the fucking music. I'll right never doubt the, you. I'll never doubt you, Joe. Oh. I'll never doubt you. Well, if we have learned anything over the past three years, it's that. This movie makes you want to talk about it a lot and debate it with yes. your friends and talk about your passions and your qualms and the things that make you laugh. And so please do come to our screening um, on Thursday, August 24th. Does the, Los, does the Los Feliz 3 serve alcohol? No, but afterwards, oh. I will all go to the Dresden and have <laughs> drinks. Right around the corner. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for, for sure, we'll have uh, drinks afterwards. Um, it would not be and, right for us to do the drinking game at a rep screening because people may <laughs> you might have to have paramedics on on site yeah yeah you can but. have a sip of your of your diet coke every time they say loads <laughs> um <laughs> but nothing else at least that i want to know about but anyway yeah so please do come if you're in la or want to get to la or whatever on 24th of august also Travis Woods is presenting Inherent Vice and sure Inherent is. Vice on the 26th, which is Saturday. So lots of fun podcasts. Uh, OHM Pods is being represented twice. We're taking this thing over, so it's going to be fun. God, the crowds in those screenings, I would give anything <laughs> to be with them. They're just my horny people. Bless you. Yes. Now, speaking of horny people, Joe Lynch, Suitable Flesh you're about to roadshow out. It's going to go to Tribeca. You guys have got your screening there. This Lovecraftian adaptation. Actually, we actually, uh, to date it, um, we actually had our Tribeca premiere last month. Oh, uh, yeah. And, yeah. It, I, and honestly, it, I, I, I'm still in shock. I'm still pinching myself, uh, mainly because this is a different movie for me. Um, it's funny that you mentioned the word horny. Uh, every single review on Rotten Tomatoes has all reveled in the word horny. And Amazing. I'll, I'll be honest. Like we, 
like I listened to a lot of Karina Longworth. Uh, the the fact that she just <laughs> did the erotic '80s and '90s was almost serendipitous to when this movie came out because you know like we're missing sex in movies these days, and you know and there's nothing better than to take something like I don't know like an old H.P. Lovecraft story and infuse it with a lot of horniness. You know? Yeah, there is an audience for that. So <laughs> there is. Uh, and they're the, called the one heat minute productions play. listeners yeah. <laughs> right, well you know what i you clearly are all very very horny people so <laughs> i think you guys will dig it um if uh if this is dropping next thursday so if you're in the canada area uh, it's playing at the fantasia film fest on the fifth i will be there for that uh it's going to be in a couple other festivals that uh have not been announced but uh they're pretty big uh, I, again i'm I'm still so close to the movie. Um, it's hard for me to watch movies like from Michael Mann when I'm making films because you sit there and go, Jesus Christ, he had probably 30 takes to just get that one insert. Whereas, you know, in most cases when it's a budget of my level, it's like you get one and you're shooting it off your fucking iPhone. <laughs> yeah. and, and there are shots in suitable flesh that were done exactly like that. Um, so it's hard for me to watch movies like that. It's hard for me to watch my own movie right now because I'm so close to it. But um, but the reactions so far have been great. Uh, if you love H.P. Lovecraft, if you love movies like Reanimator, for example, um, yeah, this is a love letter to Stuart Gordon and Dennis Paoli and Brian Usna and all the guys that made uh, Reanimator and From Beyond. So much so that if you're a very astute viewer, uh, this is almost—I don't want to give too much away—but this, um, this is almost a spiritual sequel to Reanimator, if you will, yeah. part of the Miskatonic verse. That we, yes. we keep lovingly calling uh, the movie. It stars Barbara um, Crampton. It stars Barbara Crampton. And, yeah. We love Barbara. Her. Barbara Crampton, Heather Graham, Judah Lewis from the uh, the Babysitter. You have never seen Judah Lewis like this. Jonathan Sheck, uh, um, Bruce Davidson. It's a great cast. Um, love Bruce Davidson, by the way. Not, God, his oh, face is the best. Ama- he's he's amazing. Every I I got blessed with this movie. It was not an easy movie to make, but I'm so thrilled it's coming out. So it'll be on the the fleshable tour as i've been calling it <laughs> uh, for the next couple months uh thankfully due to tribeca um this the the distributor is now talking theatrical which is amazing right um and just midnight finally, screenings only midnight screenings only just get like yes let's do it it's funny it's funny you should mention midnight screenings mr howard um <laughs> because uh, I, I've I've been thrilled because uh, Katie, I don't know if you're uh, you've ever gone to the New Art uh, in Los mm-hmm. Angeles. I yeah, used to yeah. go all the time to all the midnight shows. I used to actually present anytime Mandy would show at the New Art. I used oh. to live down the street and go, "I'm introducing Mandy tonight." You know, oh like, man! Um, but I, I I love that theater. It's been a, like a staple of the midnight scene, midnight movie scene since Eraserhead played there and, and Pink Flamingos. Well. It just so happens that one of my earlier efforts, Mayhem, which had a very brief theatrical run back in 2017, is playing a midnight show uh, September 1st at the New Art. Fun. Like, I cannot cannot wait to see it on the big screen again. Because when it first came out, no one saw it. But thanks to Shudder and physical media over the last couple of years, it's uh, it's really amassed a really good following. Plus, the two actors that are in it have kind of blown up a little bit. Stephen Young and Tamara Weaving have kind of done a couple things since yeah. May uh, since Mayhem. Uh, so so yeah, so we're going to be doing a screening of that at the New Art on September first at midnight ish. I guess I think they're doing it uh, like or a little earlier. But please come out uh, if you've never seen it on the big screen or 
want to see it again, come out and hang out with us. I'm literally like typing it into my calendar right now. Yeah, do that. You, if you, <laughs> Katie Walsh, if you come, I'm buying you a drink and uh, and I will make sure that you get in and I will get you a fucking special seat because I'm a big fan and I'd love for you to see the movie there. Oh, yes. Mayhem fucking rules. Nothing better than that. Oh my God. Steven is so uh, good in that movie. <laughs> Samara is so fantastic. Um, yeah, so good. Man, it's been way too long since talking to you you're the best thank you so much for doing the show thank you for having a conflicted experience we'll try and get your hands we'll, we'll try and get I, your hands on I the miami hope, nice cut and just take you i know we, seriously i want to see it i want i really want to see it we'll take I you to the limit one more time we'll take you to the I limit need, one more I, time i need some inspiration for florida cops and i'm currently in the dark <laughs> yes def definitely you need you're going to be re-watching a lot but I loved this conversation because I love having, you know, wrestling with these big ideas. And so it was a great time talking to you. And thank you for bringing, you know, all of these provocative questions to our little campfire. I'm just a wide angle lens of questions. <laughs> <laughs>